Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined by my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field, and I have to start today's show with an apology for those of you, our regular listeners, viewers out there who count on us to be on time and punctual with our postings. Tuesday's episode, as you probably noticed, was not available until Wednesday, and we are very sorry about that. Technical issue, it's been resolved. Hopefully it will not come up again. So here we are on Thursday, Wes, and Thursday's episode will be posted on Thursday, I'm just sure so that, you know. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that were just devastated <laughs> that, well, in, that Unscripted was not available on Tuesday to recap everything that happened in that game on Sunday. But yes, We hold ourselves accountable here. We do hold ourselves <laughs> accountable. We made the necessary corrections, <laughs> and we're pushing forward. Now we're flushing it. And now we're pushing forward here to Detroit. And we are pushing forward to a game on Monday night football in week two against the Detroit Lions. Both teams, as all the teams are in the NFC North, both of these squads for Monday night are 0-1, searching for their first victory of 2021. The Detroit Lions have a new head coach. They have a new quarterback. What, uh, what's your initial, I know we don't have a whole lot to go on here, but what's your initial impression of the 2021 Detroit Lions? My initial impression is the Detroit Lions have begun to take on that mentality of their head coach. And I I think when the chapter was closed on the Matt Patricia era, I believe that there were people within that building that understood where things went wrong the past few years and where they need to get corrected. I'm not even talking about wins and losses. I'm talking about culture, talking about team building. And what they showed me in that game against San Francisco, Mike, very much like the Packers against the the Saints, they could not have really gotten off to a worse start. But they bounced back. And, yes, there's a lot of people out there saying they got points in garbage time, in yards in garbage time. They got it back within one score. And I thought that showed a lot from Jared Goff to be able to pick himself up. I thought that showed a lot on the Lions not quitting on themselves after giving up 24 points in in the second quarter. That was a team that played till the bitter end, and for that reason, I think the Packers have to be ready that they're going to see a very hungry Detroit Lions team on Monday night. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, the only caveat that I give with regard to the Lions' comeback and, and getting it within one score is that they did catch a huge break with getting an onside kick recovery in there, which is one of those less than 10% propositions these days in the NFL. So that's not going to happen very often, and the final score of that game is very different if they don't get that one fortunate break. But they got it. And they did come within 25 yards of a potential game-tying touchdown. In a game, they were down by 24 points with, uh, with less than six minutes to go. So um, what are your thoughts on Jared Goff? This is a big change for the Detroit Lions because Matthew Stafford, yes, he, there were times he was injured here and there. I get it. But Matthew Stafford was the Detroit Lions quarterback for a long time. He was their franchise guy. That has now changed. Jared Goff doesn't have, I don't think he has all of the physical tools and the physical skills that Matthew Stafford has, but Jared Goff also has a little bit more of a winning pedigree in that he is a quarterback who has taken a team to a Super Bowl. This is a really interesting change in the NFC North. Well, and he has a sharp guy that's calling plays for him in Anthony Lynn and and understanding what they want to accomplish offensively. The former Chargers head coach. Former Chargers head coach. And Mike, I'll be honest with you, the, the, you're absolutely right. Goff has been there. He's done that. He's seen it. But when he's been successful, he's had a really capable run game along with him. And for the first time 
in my as my child my son's child book uh, Little Blue Truck goes I think it was or no it was uh, Gruff the Grump the first time in a very long time <laughs> uh, they actually have a, a running game here that I think they can actually hold you know hang their hat on uh, DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams I, I said it going back to training camp I said it going back to the offseason program I felt like Jamal Williams was one of the best bargain buys in the National Football League the Green Bay Packers were extremely tight against the cap they couldn't bring them back right but the Detroit Lions, to get them for what they got Jamal Williams for, that game last week, you saw how valuable this guy could be. And He had over 100 yards from scrimmage combining the rushing yeah. and receiving yards, if I read the stats correctly. And Swift wasn't as impressive on the ground, but had eight catches, had touchdown. They, I think, are going to be a really good battery together. And I feel like Goff, throughout the course of that game, you could see his comfort and his familiarity with those two guys flourish. They have weapons, Mike. I think T.J. Hawkinson, in addition to being on my fantasy football team, uh, I didn't draft him. It was an auto league. I didn't even know I was drafting him, but he ended up having a really good week for me. These guys, there's talent there for him to work off of. The question I'm going to have, though, is what happens when adversity hits? What happens when people start to hit the counters against the Lions? Jared Goff, I don't anticipate, is going to be a guy that's going to be throwing the ball 50-plus times a game. Yeah, that's that's not going to be their formula for success. When that happens, I don't think the win-loss ratio is exceedingly high for Goff over the years in those situations. But he is a legitimate NFL starting quarterback, and there was a reason why the Lions felt like this was the best package that they could get in this trade for Matthew Stafford. It really is just going to come down to whether or not he could play disciplined. And in those moments where he gets shut down, if he could find a way to get the offense rolling again. Yeah, well, you mentioned the Lions running game. You mentioned TJ Hawkinson, the tight end, um, young rising star, I think, in this league uh, coming out of Iowa, very high draft pick. That gets us you know, right into some of our keys to victory here, I think. When you look at the Packers' defense, you look at what happened last week against the Saints. A lot of trouble stopping the run. And giving up two touchdown passes to a tight end, not yeah. to mention also a, a crucial fourth down conversion on a screen to a tight end. So looking at all of this, how much do the how much do the Lions come in here on Monday night with DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams, and T.J. Hawkinson, and those guys being the focal point of their offense and how they attack the Packers? And, and this guy's not on the same level as those other three, but even look at Quentin Cephas being able to, to get a touchdown in that game against the 49ers. Yeah, former kind of, University of Wisconsin wide receiver. In sort of a hybrid, a cross-type player. Uh, those are the type of players that have given Green Bay issues the past few years, and it gives them a lot of different looks in this game against Detroit. I'm going back to what I said last week, Mike. Nothing changes. Just because the Packers lost by 35 points doesn't mean that the recipe for success to win that game is any different. You have to win up front. Yeah. And you've got to do it on both sides of the ball. There was one statistic that I looked up when I was doing Insider Inbox this past week. The Packers now are 1-6 all time, at least since 2018 when Aaron Jones was a starter, where they've actually, in games in which Jones has not carried the ball more than 10 times, they're one and six. They won one of those games, the game against in uh, 2018, I believe, against San Francisco. They got to get the ball in Aaron Jones's hands. They have to get the ball in AJ Dillon's hands. And on the opposite side of things, you can't let teams gash you for six, seven, eight yards a pop on the run game. That was my biggest concern in that game against the the Saints. It wasn't that. Kamara ended up hitting a 60-yard gainer down the field. It was the fact that their longest carry was 15 yards, and Green Bay still 
gave up as many yards on the ground as they did. Yeah. You have to control the tempo. And when you're facing a team whose head coach is talking about biting off kneecaps and drinking <laughs> as much coffee as is available within the Starbucks, you know, entire industry, you have to be able to bring that energy. And that is the biggest thing that I think has to change in this game. Everyone loves Jamal Williams. He's a fantastic dude. A great personality. Packers got to find a way to stop him on Monday night. Yeah, I think it, I think it definitely starts with with changing the narrative with the run defense right away for the Packers based on what happened last Sunday. Uh, before we switch to the offensive side, Wes, a shout out to our sponsor, Sirius XM NFL Radio, delivers hard hitting analysis and up to the minute NFL news that true football fanatics need twenty four seven. 365. And at Cousin Subs, we have something for everyone, like our Wisconsin cheese curds, mac and cheese, golden fries, and creamy shakes, all paired with your favorite sub or sub in a bowl, Cousin Subs, we believe in better. You touched on it already, Wes, as far as the Packers' run game. We know that Monday night's game is, I believe, it's going to feel very differently in terms of how the Packers go about things offensively. Now, you obviously want the defense to not give up two 15-play touchdown drives, which, you know, throws everything off in terms of possessions. Everything becomes disjointed, the clock, all of that. But I do think we're going to see the Packers very, very focused on running the football, establishing that run, the play action, everything with with Matt LaFleur's passing game. There's so much of that effective stuff comes off of, of play action. I, I really think... Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon are going to have their hands on the ball quite a bit Monday night. I agree, and, and I didn't mean to jump you know, in the last segment talking about this, but I, it goes on both sides of the ball. Yeah, you it does, a- abs- ball, absolutely. And you have to stop the ball. And, and, Mike, you look historically, the big conversation, I'm sure when we talk to Aaron Rodgers later today, I'm sure it's going to come up again as the two-shell. I've been hearing that you know, since I was 23 years old. And, I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, I mean, over the last 10, 11 years – Teams have said, oh, that's the blueprint, that's the formula. It's not the blueprint of the formula. All it is is that if a team throws two safeties in its back end and they go light in the box, you've got to be able to run the ball against that front. doesn't matter if your running back is Eddie Lacy, James Starks, you know, Ty Montgomery, now with Aaron Jones. You have to be able to push the ball through those gaps. And from there, that's where the Packers' offense starts to look like itself again. Why was Matt LaFleur's scheme such a great fit for Green Bay? Because they had a lot of the tools that he needed to be successful here. When you look at having Aaron Jones developing and Jamal Williams as just a steady as it goes back. I, to be honest with you, Mike, for as little as we saw him in that game against the Saints, I was pretty darn impressed with A.J. Dillon. I actually thought he hit the hole pretty well. Only had four carries, but took it for 19 yards. If they can get that one-two combination going... Get them 20 touches, 25 touches together. That's where you can see the, the jet sweeps open up, the slant passes open up, the Robert Tunyon passes open up. I, I really, you know, Aaron Rodgers hit it. I think he said it perfectly when, when he talked about how, you know, things go in cycles, right? There's going to be moments where you're going to have adversity. You're not going to look great. People are going to start to question things, and it will come back again. I think that's the biggest key for Green Bay. You have to come up with more energy. You have to play better in the first quarter, but – don't feel like you don't have a team that isn't meant to be there. They do. They just got to get that swagger back, and I think it starts with the run game. Yeah, it starts with the run game, and then it continues you know, with doing what the Packers do best, or I should say what they did best last year, which was to be one of the best teams in the league on third down and in the red zone. We saw both of those go away from them in week one against the Saints. And you know when you look at the third downs, obviously when you're in – 
third and eight and third and 12 and third and 13, that's not where you want to be. Well, you get in the better third down situations by running the football. Everything, everything goes hand in hand here. And why were the Packers so successful in the red zone last year? Well, in part because they ran the heck out of the ball in the red zone, and then that set up the play action for Devontae Adams and Robert Tunyon to both get double-digit touchdowns, all that. So it all, it all goes hand in hand, and I think with this Matt LaFleur offense, we've seen it enough now, you know, 30-plus games over the course of his two-plus seasons here that that uh, that you have to be able to run the football with some level of authority and some level of consistency consistency for this offense to be to be in rhythm to be flowing and to be at its best. A hundred percent, and a lot of that too, Mike, comes with multiplicity. It comes with different types of looks. And last week, a lot of it because of the, what the game dictated, we didn't see an overabundance of those looks. As I was mentioning before, a lot of eleven personnel, a lot of no huddle. And you saw Aaron Rodgers having to kind of extend plays again. It's just stuff that doesn't look like the offense looks like when they're in a rhythm. Now, they took a one, you know, an unfortunate hit to their offensive you know, arsenal when Josiah DeGuara goes down with a concussion. But there's a reason why Dominic Daphne was kept on this 53. I mean, that's kind of their backup at that H-back type tight end role that they have. I, I, this game in particular, Mike, I, I want to. I, I keep saying the jet motions, but you know, I want to see more Randall Cobb. I want to maybe see some Amari Rodgers. I want to give the defense different looks so that you don't re- necessarily can just figure into okay, well, if, you know, MVS is in in this situation. You can tell, you know, they want to go and do this type of play. You know, there is so much versatility with this group uh, that, to my eye, as we get into this game on Monday night, that's the number one thing I'm going to be looking for. What kind of packages are they rolling with? What kind of scheme are they rolling with? And can you get that offensive line comfortable with a running game so that those young guys can really feel in, in where they need to be at? Yeah, and the bottom line with regard to all this going hand-in-hand hand is when you talk about showing all those different looks and utilizing all that versatility on offense, you have to run more than 12 plays in the first half before you get into two-minute mode at the end of the half. And that goes for the offense executing. That goes for the defense getting off the field. All of that is tied together in order to maximize on that. I started this last week, so I'll throw it at you again. We've talked about a lot of different keys to victory here, but in terms of a statistic, a stat you're going to look at other than the scoreboard that tells you the Packers will win this game on Monday night? It would be really easy for me to use your turnover stat again uh, because I think, again, like I said from last week with some of the unscouted stuff, a lot of those things are still going to hold true in this game. The Packers got to win the turnover margin. But for me, I actually think it goes back to the gold zone. I think it is when the Packers are in the 20-yard line being able to finish off drives. That was the opposite inverse of that against New Orleans. They were turning the ball over in that area. That's not like this offense. It's definitely not like Aaron Rodgers. So, yeah, whether it is getting the run game going or some of the run action looks or just being able to find receivers open downfield, the Packers get inside the the red area. They have to be able to finish those drives. You could bring up a lot of different statistics, Mike, but the, the difference between what happened with Green Bay when they got into their gold zone and the 4-for-4 four four that the, the Saints went with in their area, that to me was the biggest indicator of all. You can look at time of possession, you can look at third downs, you can look at turnovers. The inability to score when they had the opportunities and then also the Saints being able to get go for a 4-for-4, four four, 
that was a huge difference in that ball game. Yeah, and if, if I were to point to one stat, I'm going. I'll, I'll piggyback off of that, but I'll point to I'll point to the third downs. I'll say the pack the Packers need to get back to being 50% on third down. That's what they were last year. That was one of the top marks in the league. Packers did not convert a third down against the New Orleans Saints with Aaron Rodgers in the game. The only third down conversion was late in the fourth quarter when Jordan Love was in the game. Obviously, that is not a recipe for success, and I think I think 50% is a good benchmark, whether it's four out of eight or six out of 12 or however it shakes out. But I think if the Packers are converting 50% of their third downs, I think they're ultimately going to score enough points to beat the Detroit Lions. I agree with you wholeheartedly. And and to that point, too, how soon we forget last year the run that they got in scoring on their opening possession. It's not really a statistic, but if they're able to put points up on the board, regardless of whether or not they defer or however it works out, if they're able, that first offensive possession – Seven points is great. Three points is fine. But being able to actually get a markup on the board. Yep. You look at it, Mike, it's a rhythm-based offense. It always has been. I feel like if they can get that ball rolling in the right direction, the offense can take care of itself from there in the second quarter. All right. Looking elsewhere in week two, as I mentioned at the top of the show, and as everybody knows, all four teams in the NFC North are 0-1. So elsewhere in the NFC North, Cincinnati – goes to Chicago, the Bengals coming off of that overtime victory over Minnesota, while former Bengals quarterback Andy Dalton will face um, his, uh, his longtime club there at Soldier Field. And then in the late afternoon window, Minnesota is at Arizona. Arizona coming off of an impressive week one victory over an AFC playoff team in the Tennessee Titans. They really handled them. Minnesota frustrated with a with a road overtime defeat at Cincinnati in week one. These other two NFC North games here, Wes, what are your thoughts? Well, I would be remiss, Mike, if I didn't also mention, if you're going to talk about Andy Dalton facing the Bengals, Patrick Peterson uh, going to be playing the Arizona Cardinals for right, that game as well. Right, I forgot about that, yeah. Uh, so some really good minor storylines for all the beat writers in those two markets to cover <laughs> this week. Uh, huge gut check moment for the, for the Bears. I mean, as as bad as it went for Green Bay against the Saints, I, I thought the way the game played out for the Bears against the Rams was probably even equally as demoralizing. And that's for a team that already might be having some quote-unquote confidence issues going into the season. I think Cincinnati's going to put up some points this year. The question is, defensively, who you know are they going to be able to stop a lot of teams? I, I think Zach Taylor, I think what he has there, that's a brilliant scheme. It's obviously an offshoot of the Sean McVay, Shanahan type style, yeah. LaFleur that we've seen in the league. I thought they had some really smart concepts. I liked how Burroughs looked in that game. Uh, so I, I think this is a real good opportunity for Cincinnati to sort of, for a team that's been losing here the last two, three years, to kind of get the sales set in the right direction against the Bears. The Minnesota-Arizona game is fascinating because Arizona comes out of the gate rolling. Yeah. I mean, Chandon, Chandler Jones, dude, I mean, you want to talk about a guy that wants a contract and is playing like he wants a contract? My goodness. Yeah. I mean, they might have to back up the Brinks truck if he keeps the start going that he had in week one. And all it takes is is one week and everybody's talking about what's wrong with Minnesota's offensive line again. And exactly. here comes Mr. Five Sacks in week one, Chandler Jones, to uh, to try to exploit that. Yeah, so seeing, uh, you know, Arizona, we know the game there. You know, they're going to put up points. Uh, I think Kyler Murray's a brilliant young quarterback. Uh, for the NFC North, the, those two games with Chicago and Minnesota, there's a lot on the line there as far as a Week 2 game is concerned. Yeah, I mean, a lot on the line, honestly, for everybody in the NFC North because you don't want to be 0-2. Nobody, nope. nobody wants to be 0-2. There are a lot of statistics out there in terms of what that means 
with uh, with regard to the percentage chances and whatnot in what history shows in terms of making the playoffs. So either the Detroit Lions or the Green Bay Packers will be one and well, one here, and the Packers obviously want it to be them. And how crazy is the schedule for Green Bay? I mean, you have your first 10 games and you're playing the division twice. I think this is how that works out in terms of their schedule. Is I mean, they're what, seeing. I, I know the division. The division games are backloaded. Yeah, they're getting year. a lot of you know the, the Minnesota after November twentieth. Uh, that whereas, so, whereas last year, the first two games of the season were Minnesota and Detroit. Yeah. You had two of your six division games were you know were gone right off the bat. Yeah. So, very, so to very your point, schedule this year very high stakes, very interesting schedule. I mean, we don't need to talk about this. We already discussed it in the spring, but to to see Detroit and then you have some AFC opponents coming up. Um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one for Green Bay for sure. Yeah, all right. Well, with that, we'll call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of Monday night's game from Lambeau Field against the Lions. We'll have it all for you on Packers.com. For Wes, I'm Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. We will see you next time.